The Ringer Fantasy Football Show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Ringer Podcast Network. Are you looking for a better way to bet on your favorite sports online? With FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to fund your account. Unlike other sportsbooks, FanDuel accepts most major payment options. And with FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to cash out, too. When you win, you can receive your winnings in your bank account in as little as 48 hours through safe and secure processes. Check out FanDuel Sportsbook app today to experience sports betting the way it was always meant to be. FanDuel, more ways to win. Mandatory 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Hello and welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I'm Danny Heifetz and I'm here with my co-hosts, Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Important question. Did you guys watch Hard Knocks this week? What, are you kidding? <laughs> I actually just got done watching it, yeah. We have to talk about Sean McVay's house. What? Who has a cooler house, McVay or Cliff Kingsbury? Mm. Kingsbury. Kingsbury. McVay's looks kind of small, but it's like tucked away at this nice hill and this beautiful, beautiful uh, view. I would take the view over the house. I'm all, I'm all about the view being the most important thing. Of your I house. mean, yeah, Cliff's in Arizona, which is just worse. <laughs> I was struck by the juxtaposition between Anthony Lynn's marriage, which seems so comfortable, and then McVeigh and his fiance would just kind of like, she's like, yeah, you know, he just just has to coach something. So, you know, he taught our dog and then they start bouncing the ball off the dog's face. And, he's, and she's just like, this is all they did this summer. And it was just so cringe. That dog is <laughs> unimpressive to me. That was not an impressive <laughs> sport move by the dog. They're like, oh, like Buster's been practicing all week. And he just like smashes his snout into a basketball. And I'm supposed to be Dude, impressed. I thought, he, I thought he, it did. I thought he was going to make it. Like he hits it into the hoop. He just hits it back. Well, it's like playing catch, but instead of catching, he just smashes with his face. But, dude, I straight up was like, isn't that dangerous? Like, should the dog be doing that with its snout? To me, if you've spent all summer training with your dog and that's his best move, don't put that on the episode. <laughs> yeah, you think McVeigh was like a better coach. Like, I kind of expected him to be like, who's that famous dog trainer guy? I don't know. But should I be worried about the Rams players because McVeigh can't coach his own dog? <laughs> Maybe that's just how they're teaching. He's clearly hi- he's highly specialized, though. Like, he... Yeah. The way he talks when he's coaching and stuff, I was I was actually noticing that like he's so dialed into the football stuff that it's actually, I think it's it's so specialized. It's it's. How about when he was like, guys, we got to be better about wearing the masks. I know that I need to be better too. You need to hold me accountable. I'm like, okay, how about you put on a mask right now? You're yelling at people. There are so much spit coming out of your mouth. Start right everyone. now. He put on like the like the clear like <laughs> painter's mask thing. That's the, the I think shield. that thing is absolute BS. <laughs> The whole dude, lower part is open. The science of it doesn't make any sense. And he's like, it, oh, this is way better. And it's like, yeah, dude, because it doesn't block your your breath and air particles. I also, so here's, McVeigh just came off like this football robot and kind of cracked the facade. You see a photo of him, you're like, oh, wow, he's handsome, young, smart. You hear him talk, you're like, okay, so he knows football and I'm not sure what else is going on there. But then Anthony Lynn comes out with so much spawn con, I was blown away. 
He had the Porsche hat, the CAA shirt. They got the, the grill <laughs> logo that, yeah. for the company. It was the first thing in like the second. I was just, and he's like, yeah, I'm making the chicken. And then his wife is like, are you using our fine wedding china to like wrapping a, <laughs> like a napkin around with rubber band to rub this meat? He's like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, wow, this looks like a great marriage. Can I just say that McVeigh is John Gruden. Like McVeigh is like <laughs> simultaneously the oldest and youngest coach in the league. Like I actually was kind of taken aback at how like football John Gruden locked in. Like don't blink he is. <laughs> but Gruden was his first boss. He kind of has no personality, McVeigh. He's no, just like- straight up. Gruden came back to the NFL because he gave Sean McVay his first job, and I believe Kyle Shanahan one of his first jobs on that they were all staff. On, yeah, they were all on the same staff. It's insane. And and so basically he came back because Gruden, when he was a coach, was like, oh, wow, young, brilliant Super Bowl winner. And then McVay and Shanahan got all this credit, and Gruden's like, God damn it, I'm better than those guys. So he like took $100 million. Like, screw it. Like, I'm back. He, it, it, the whole thing was out of petty. They have a shadow war because the Rams signed Blake Bortles which is like a coach reclamation thing. Like, no, the problem is coaching. Blake's good. And so the Raiders signed Nathan Peterman because Gruden's like, I can fix Nathan Peterman. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I thought that it, I thought Anthony Lynn was awesome though. I, he I, was I great. wanted to run. I want to run through a wall for that guy. The best Dude, scene yeah. in the entire show though, was when this Andrew Vollert guy gets cut. You guys remember this? <laughs> oh, he's he's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Before he even says anything, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you yeah. gotta be fucking kidding me. What? I just work my ass off and I know I can play. <laughs> and it's the most coach thing ever that Anthony Lynn went into Tom Telesco, the GM's office, and was like, yo, that was sweet. Like, he was kind of <laughs> pissed. Like, I like his fire. Yeah, he was like, that was the first time I said, I didn't know you had emotions. Coaches respect that, you know? Just come in. <laughs> was, fuck this. I also, I also have to, I have to talk for a minute about Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey had this, it was funny, like at first, like they had this press conference, they were showing up press conferences alike now. So they this, all the reporters on Zoom and then Jalen Ramsey sits down and then someone asks him about his contract situation because he's going into the, like the last year of his deal. And he says, I'm going to let my agent handle that with the team. And then the guy follows up, I know that, but how do you feel not having the security of an extension this season? And he's like, I'm just going to let my agent and the team handle that. And then he laughs and he's like, you know, I can't answer that question. And then the reporter's like, oh, okay, yeah, but it's a legit question. How do you feel? And then he just kind of, he gets really mad, storms out, eventually returns, is a little calmer. And he kind of says, he, I don't want to call it a rant, but it was like 60 full seconds of like, what are you doing? Like, and he, one quote that kind of summarizes the whole thing. He says, when I give y'all an answer, that's the answer. I don't appreciate y'all trying to push me to a different answer because that's not what you wanted to hear. You know what's funny is he kind of then answered the question. I know, I was going to say, well, he then he answered it answer. really well. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I actually told my agent I don't want to hear anything. We're like, that's actually really interesting. But his, his, his answer was actually really good. It's like, yeah. I can't, I'm, I'm going to control what I can control. And then that's all I can control. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm he's not He's like, it'll be a it. surprise when it comes to me and I'll be happy. But like, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Here's my thing though. He got so mad that they asked him about this. He walked out, he stormed out. Last year, Jalen Ramsey came to training camp in a Brinks truck. Okay? <laughs> like, he showed up to the first day, crawled out of the back of a Brinks truck with fake muddy bags behind him, and a hype man with a megaphone was talking about how much money he was going to make on his next contract. How dare you ask me this question? <laughs> when the next year you show up and you're like, how dare you ask me about my contract? I'm like, dude, I don't have any rules in life, but one of them is... If you show up in a Brinks truck, 
to co- to training camp, there was a two year moratorium on you getting mad about people asking you about money. <laughs> that's on one of that's our ten commandments of football. Like, that's that's yes. one of them. Don't show up in a Briggs truck and people won't ask you as many questions about it. All right. I feel like this episode really drove home for me the idea that like all high level athletes, because everyone in the NFL is a really great athlete, really, really like top of your whole like everyone you ever knew your whole life. This is the guy that's the best at what he does, right? Even if they're like some shitty guy who's at the end of the roster, that they're the best player at whatever that you've ever met, probably growing yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um what it really drove home for me is like to be a professional athlete, you have to be a little bit insane, right? You sure. know, like this Andrew yes. Vollert guy Absolutely. who I've never heard of, who is, he was an undrafted free agent <laughs> out of Weber State. Shout out Dame Lillard. Comes into the office and is like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You're cutting me? <laughs> to Anthony cutting Lynn? Me? You're cutting me? Did you see? He kind of like got like, like alpha close to the desk where he's like, yo, I don't give a shit about COVID. He's like got really close and was like, what's up, dude? You're firing me? And then Jalen Ramsey like does this fake storm off thing. I know. These, these just, guys have to have, like, it's something we've talked about with Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan doc. They they manufacture oh, yeah. things to be pissed off about. Obviously, getting cut is something to be pissed off about. But <laughs> yeah. when you're an undrafted free agent, fifth guy, fifth tight end on the roster <laughs> from Weber State. Is it Weber State or Weber State? Regardless. I don't the know. Point, the, pa- the point is, I don't know. So, therefore, like, <laughs> that's, that's an important kind of variable to all this. Um, I just think it's hilarious, man. I, you got to be have a totally different mindset. Those guys are so uber ultra competitive. It, it's it's what I mean. I just think it's interesting. Did you guys think that the nose swabs for COVID were like not as bad as I thought? I've seen other videos of people getting them done, and it <laughs> looks like it goes to the back of your skull. These were weak. This was just They've inside done, of can the I ask a dumb it. question. Can I ask a dumb question? Maybe I yeah. should be informed and have figured this out by now. Why do the swabs have to go so deep? Is there something better about your? mucus in the back of your head as opposed to the mucus in the front of your nose well i don't know maybe if you're always blowing it out it's just like you you, you know it's it's not as accurate right at the tip you're you telling me there's deep. not enough of my germs in in my nasal cavity they're like no we got to go all the way up like I, I that part has been a mystery to me i think they changed the test you guys i'm not 100 percent sure but i think the and you don't have to go as deep the now one where you have to poke it into your brain is it is like an older version of this test now they have that makes my eyes water thinking no, Well, about back it. in my day, you had to get your, tot, your scalp scrapped. Did you guys kind of think that the Chargers were like, like if you didn't know anything about football and you watched both of these teams and somebody said which team was in the Super Bowl two years ago, I think I would have picked the Chargers. A hundred percent. He looks like, pretty good. Anthony Lynn's got to afford that grill somehow. Yeah, no, and they like looked really organized. Like they, we, they spent more time with the Chargers and the team seemed more together. I don't know. I'm getting kind of hyped on Justin Herbert. He seemed cool. He had the hairband like Mark Sanchez. That got you hyped? Yeah. That man's going to be a leader of men? Did you see his balls? The balls he was throwing? I will say, I understood what they meant. He did First have a nice ball. ball. Fraser. It was a nice ball. Tight spiral, but it was like kind of a light pass. I don't know. Something about Oh, yeah. It. I'm always very impressed by how people can throw balls into nets in shorts with no... <laughs> the whole point of being a quarterback is can you do that when a 300-pound man is trying to hurt you as much as possible? That's the point. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Chargers we'll look solid. See. I have my doubts about young Justin Herbert. Anyway, let's get into fans. Where's Cooper Cup? Where's Bobby Trees? Dude. Nothing. No, where's Tyler Higby? I guess they're not crowd pleasers. I don't know. Well, they're, they're coming. All right. Well, that was Hard Knocks episode all right. one. Let's, all, let's also, let's just talk about Lamar Miller real quick because we didn't get to him. We did our last episode before he was signed. So real quick, Patriots signed Lamar Miller. He missed all last season. I mean, ACL injury. Seems like Sony Michelle might start the year on PUP, so yeah. physically unable to perform. So, do you guys 
like Lamar Miller for fantasy this year? Or do you still like Damian Harris more or just James White? What do you guys make of this now? Once again, Bill Belichick's just tossing a wrench and screwing everything up. Uh, um, I don't know. This kind of brings everybody's value down to me. I would say it makes James White more interesting to me. And more interesting than before Lamar Miller? Slightly more, slightly more. I think he could get more use just because he's a veteran. He's a, He's been in that system for so long. Maybe they'll use him for more than just like pass-catching role. Maybe he'll get some, you know, early down stuff. But I would say this: the, the nature of the, like signing him so late, Lamar Miller, would indicate to me he's their number three behind Damian Harris and James White. So Damian Harris, I think, is is definitely worth taking a shot on late. And it almost just takes Sony off my board. Like you can wait around till week six to get him. At, like I, he doesn't, he's not even probably worth drafting at this point. Sony pegs me as somebody who's not going to be in the league in two years. I think, yeah, it's just the knee thing. You know, he, he wasn't impressive at all in the first two seasons. So I think that, you know, just running backs are so fungible at this point. They're just going to, so who do, do you, who would you rather have else. Damian Harris or Lamar Miller? Harris. Harris for sure because I don't think Lamar Miller has the upside of like oh yeah he's gonna be a, might be a top 10 back if Damian Harris just wins the job you know who knows he's a young guy he's really good at Alabama and then one note on James White James White has dropped one pass in third down in the last three years <laughs> so <laughs> I think that it's Mr. Reliable like who's gonna be receiver for pass it's it's James White it's always James White so all right let's get into draft strategy really just tricks to win your draft it's like you know those like clickbait articles of like 11 weird tricks to lose 40 pounds like that's this 11 weird click <laughs> tricks to win your draft uh but we're gonna run through snake auction and even a little dynasty and i think we're gonna start with just kind of general overview yeah. first and then we'll just apply those things to this season so we'll start just i mean snake draft is the most common one so i think how most people do it even though let's be honest here auction is superior there are a lot of problems yeah. with capitalism, but you know what? If capitalism isn't everyone's laying, level playing field, everyone starts with the same amount of capital. You know what? Better system. We don't have to just be handing out equal picks. You know what? Sorry, auctions are better than Snake. Yeah, DK, come on. That. Come on, DK. I, I, I prefer Snake. That, what? What? So, really? So if you just get the 10th pick, you're like, well, I can't get Saquon Barkley. And that's yeah, just but you how get the 10th pick and then you get four picks later or five yeah, picks later. On, the, on the, auction, you can have but, whoever you want. No, but you can have those players. The point is with an auction, you can still pay to get those 10th and 11th players you're going to draft. But with auction, it's literally impossible. Or sorry, with Snake, it's literally impossible. If you want McCaffrey and Saquon yes, on I, your team, I, I understand that. <laughs> yes, I, I understand the reason that you like auctions more. I, I believe in efficient markets, TK. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I just think in terms of the way I like visualize drafting, the way I think about it, it the values of guys, I don't think in like, he, oh, this guy's a $30 guy. You know what I mean? Like he's a fourth rounder or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just my. That's just because the way you were raised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just, you know, I, I don't care about the fairness. I just think, you know, you get stuck at a, the ninth position in a draft and you deal with it. It's the luck of the draw. So I don't actually mind that at all. I just prefer snake drafts, but um, I definitely understand the draw of auction drafts and, and how you can literally get any player. So. All right. So when you're approaching an, when you're approaching a snake draft, what is like, some general tips you have for people for starters yeah like where you draft in the round is important so go into the draft if you're an early if you have like the first one through five picks that basically means you're probably gonna come out of there with in a one qb league you're gonna come out of there with one of the stud running backs so that kind of dictates how you approach the rest of your draft if you kind of know you're gonna get one of McCaffrey, saquon zeke uh camara or cook 
so that kind of to me that like sort of dictates how you approach the rest of your draft. You know you're going to get one of those stud running backs, but if you're in the end of the round, you have a whole different you know series of questions to ask yourself. So I like to go in with a little bit of a plan. Obviously, things can change if a guy falls, but I say to myself like I want to get in the first two rounds because you have that you know the snake draft. You have like back to back pick sort of if you're late in the round. I want to come out with at least one stud running back, one stud receiver, or two receivers in this draft. I want to just load up on that. Um, I want to come out of there with like either Kittle or Kelsey. So I like to go in with a plan, kind of how I want to build my team and and visualize that. So it's not just, you know, you're not just kind of picking randomly as you go along. That To me, that'd be like the first thing you think about is how what kind of team do I want? Yeah, I think with Snake, you can actually adhere to a strategy much more than any other draft style where... I don't want to say you can pick your team before. I mean, there's two, there's really two types of snake drafting. One where you know your draft pick a month before and one where you find out like 10 minutes before your draft. Right, right. And if you know your pick for a month, I mean, you can pretty much script out your team and have your tiers and get pretty close to it, I think, especially if you know the people you're drafting with. So I recommend doing a ton of mocks, especially if you know your pick, do a million of them with real people, not robots. And make sure it's the right amount of people in the league. Like if you have a 12-team league, don't do 10-team mocks. Exactly. And then you'll kind of see what your team could end up looking like. And you can have your tiers. And then as you go through the draft, it's like, all right, well, I wanted to get a receiver here, but I can't. That happened to me in a mock, so I'll get this running back in my next tier that I wanted. And it's it's I actually think it's not as fun because it's it's a way more scripted. But you can, I think, essentially get close to picking your team before you even draft. Yeah. Do you guys care at all about bye weeks? No. <laughs> Right, I would good. actually prefer everybody to be on the same week once. Just take the L. <laughs> I'd actually love to see a study on that, like if that ever is the right choice. Rather than do. just be injured by like 15% every week, just give me the L. Yeah. I've always been um, fascinated by the bye week. Is like there's only like six pieces of information that you can like see when you're drafting. And the fact that the bye week is always listed, it's just. I know. Why I do get, they do that? I, that's just not one of the inf- pieces of information I'm trying to look figure at out it. at that moment. Yeah. I don't it's, even look at it. It's, I, I, I don't, I, it's not relevant. I, I really don't think so. Do you guys have any problems stacking players in the same team? No. No, I think it, I mean it I think it's it depends on like the settings for your league. Like stacks work really well in best ball because that means like you're getting these explosion like outputs potentially and all that. So and stacking um, but unless anyone doesn't know, it's like getting a quarterback and a receiver on the same team. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think it stacking makes so much sense like if you're if you want to try and stack the the Chiefs, for instance, like you, that's obviously going to pay dividends for you if you can do it. So um, I have no problems with it. So all right, so just I, a couple other general things just for snake drafts, but this is really all drafts. Is honestly just the, number one is start prep. Like first of all, sweat saves blood. Like you have to prepare, and the first thing is just you have to know your league. Like you have to know the rules. It's like the most basic thing, but. Know how many teams are in your league. Know how many roster spots. Little things have such a huge difference. You're starting two receivers. Know the scoring. Or three receivers. Yeah. Know the scoring. How much is a catch worth? In my opinion, it should be nothing. But it, maybe it's worth a full point. That really matters. It, every All those little things. Actually go through and read your freaking settings. It, never mind the fact that maybe you want to change some of them because they're dumb. But really know them. I was actually in a fantasy baseball league last year where, without really knowing it, one the commissioner changed saves as a category to saves and holds and no one like figured this out until an oh. hour before and everyone was like all right whatever and i was like wait a second you're telling me that middle relievers are worth the exact same as closers 
And it just it's it just little things like that. It just actually read your settings. I cannot stress this enough. And then yep. also the smallest trick that you can actually do if you're an hour away from your draft is just use different rankings because there's actually this psychological effect called anchoring that if you see a player is ranked 80th, that's your brain starting point. You can't actually move them off of that. Everyone, I don't care how informed you are, when you see the you are influenced by the rankings in front of you, the simplest thing you can do is have a different rankings in, next to you so that you can actually spot the value that yeah. other people are leaving on the table. We'll actually go way into depth in that, actually, uh, on, a, on a, uh, an episode we're going to do soon. But that is one of the best pieces of advice I can actually toss to you that's practical. You want was, it in front of you different rankings. Yeah. I was actually going to say the exact same thing is I actually still, even if, like now I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of ADP and the value of players and where guys, the range they should be going just based on us building our rankings and just doing like kind of living in this. But I still, when I go into drafts, I still take either a ranking from a person I really trust or, or respect or just look at ADP um, based on either, you know, like you can have, you can look up best ball ADP, which I think is interesting because people have skin in the game. And so it's not just like based on mock drafts. So that's one thing to look at. But wherever you, whoever you trust the most or whoever you think has the best grasp of rankings or, or which, which version of ADP you trust the most, whether it's best ball, you know, the um, you know, best ball ADP or just something from fantasy pros or whatever, take that in with you. I actually build, I just put it in a spreadsheet and then I cross guys off as we go along. We actually have that at the ringer fantasy football draft guide too. You can actually just cross guys off based on our rankings as they get picked in the draft. And that way you can kind of look like you, like you were saying, Danny, you can look at the rankings on ESPN or Yahoo or whatever, and you can compare it to guys in the ADP or the rankings that you're looking at on a different like area and see where there's value, see where guys are falling based on um, where you are in the draft. And I think that's a really, really smart way to kind of like just build a team that you're ha- you're not reaching too much on guys and and you're you're capturing the value when guys are falling. The other thing, this is just a really basic thing, but it's really worth keeping in mind, especially sometimes when you're on the fence and the clock is ticking down. Um, that really so much of this comes down to like actually figuring out your process of like, there's 10 seconds left. What do I do? One of them is you want to start with low risk and then you want to raise your risk profile by the end of the draft. So you're starting at first, second round pick. Those are players that you, you want them to be healthy and you want them to be good and you want them to be really, really great and like bedrocks of your team. You want to nail those picks. And then by the end of the draft, you're just swinging for the fence. You are swinging for a 450 foot home run. You don't care if you strike out. And so it's not like it's a switch that's turned on and off. You're kind of raising your risk profile slowly throughout the draft. You can do that at your own pace. It's just know that you have to do that that it's really hard to be successful. No offense, Craig. If you're just trying to get Cole Beasley or whoever, you're trying to get upside guys toward the end of drafts. And then on that note, another thing that really helps with that is I, we, we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, but use tiers. The two things yeah. I have in front of me when I do a draft is I have a different set of rankings, so I'm not influenced by the ones in front of my face. And the other one is I want tiers because tiers are actually the last thing I'm using at, which is a positional tier where it's every wide receiver in that would even be a little draftable broken to groups of basically how satisfied would I be with this person if I have them? So the number one top tier receivers is Michael Thomas and Devante. I love them. I think they're going to be one, two this year. But then eventually you want to group them of like, oh, I'd be very happy. These guys as my wide receiver one. I'd be unhappy. I'd be despondent if this was my top receiver. And oh, I'd be happy. This was my second receiver. That's it's a really simple way to categorize. But 
when at the end, when there's eight seconds left and you're like, oh, there's one running back left. I actually want to start for me. There's eight receivers that makes the decision for you. So, so much of it comes down to actually just having, whether it's pieces of paper or something on your phone, whatever it is in front of you, just actually have the stuff you need with 15 seconds left in front of your face. Now, do we want to spin this to this year specifically to the 2020 snake draft and how we'd like to handle it? Let's, uh, I think it's really simple this year. You don't have to do this concretely, but I am definitely aiming to come out of the first two rounds with two running backs and then get receiver in the next three rounds, because that's just how running back works this year with tier. Again, what I was saying about tiers, there's like 12 guys I want to play running back for me. And after that, it's just awful. Yeah. I'm taking kind of the exact same route. I think running back early receivers in the mid rounds, because there's so many good receivers this year, I I feel like, and then tight end and quarterback late. And the reason I like that, I always like quarterback late if you're in a one quarterback league. I just think there's so much value to be had by, you know, you can either stream guys week to week or you if you luck out and get Lamar Jackson in the 10th round this year, then you're set. But it just makes so much sense to pick a quarterback late. And then the other thing is there's just a lot of really interest, interesting tight ends this season that I think could break out, whether you're talking about Ian Thomas, Jay Sternberger. Um, you can get those guys really late too and stream the position if it doesn't work out. Yeah, I even think I want three running backs in my first five rounds. I want to go running back, running back in my first two, receiver, receiver, three and four, running back in the fifth or something like that, and then receiver late. Because even rounds like six, seven, eight, you can still get guys like Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown. Like I've even tried, there's been mock drafts where like a good receiver fell in the second round. And I was like, wow, you know, I can get Julio Jones at the end of the second round and I did it. And I still hated my team because I didn't like my running backs. And it's like, I almost don't even care which wide receivers fall. I'm just going to take running backs. I did a super flex uh, league the other day, a league draft. And I did, I got Kamara, Eckler, and Jonathan Taylor in the first three rounds. And then I hit, I got Odell Beckham in the sixth round for my wide receiver one, who I think could be a wide receiver one. So I feel really good about that draft. Wait, why was he in the sixth round? Uh, sorry, fourth round. Fourth round. I was, I was like, oh, I don't know why. I, sorry, that was the bye. That was his bye week. I think I was looking at. Speaking of, oh, the, speaking get rid of the bye weeks. Yeah, get rid of it. <laughs> so yeah, I like. I, I think it's better to get two top twelve running backs. The numbers show that the running backs that you draft each year between twelve and twenty four never pan out. It's like a terribly low rate of the guys between twelve and twenty four that end up as top twelve guys. So my recommendation mm. is just get guys who are already in the top twelve, and then get guys who are past twenty four. Get your two studs up top and then get your Tariq Cohens, your your rookie guys like DeAndre Swifts and your James Whites. Interesting. I love this kind of stuff. All, all this like game theory, how, how to draft. Well, it's really funny because this this is like not sports at all. This is math. Like we're, we're like, this is like <laughs> economics. Yeah. We could have a professor come in and probably break down all these trends and be like, well, you know, value wise, like this is actually what you should do, especially when you get into auction. Yeah. What's the yeah. most efficient like order of positions to draft if you're in the sixth spot. If somebody goes for $70, like this is how you should adjust your things. And the second you buy somebody, this is how you should adjust your stuff. Like it's, it's very interesting. All right, we're going to get into auction in a second. But before we get into auction, let's talk about a better way to spend your money. FanDuel Sportsbook has an amazing NBA playoffs offer for all new customers, plus 2,000 on any team in the playoffs to win the NBA title. We actually had to check the ad read for this copy because I thought that was a typo. It's plus not. 2, it <laughs> plus 2,000. Plus 2,000. Which is 20 to 1. Doesn't matter if it's the Bucks, Lakers, or Nets because we checked. 
plus 2,000 on everyone. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with the promo code RINGERFANTASY so they know we sent you. Also, we are excited to introduce the Ultimate Hoops Ringer Contest. Here's how it works. There is a FanDuel contest every day there are playoff games with a $5 entry fee per contest. Wait, wait, wait. So there's a contest every other playoff game? That makes sense, right? Every other day? No, it's every day there's a playoff game. Every day, you say? Every day. Oh, my God. And if you win the contest, you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the NBA Finals, where all the winners will compete for a share of a $50,000 cash prize plus ringer swag, and, of course, the honor of being the sole survivor of the Ultimate Hoops Ringer Contest. That is an honor I would like to have. <laughs> yeah, you probably won't be Craig, but it could be you. Learn more and enter at fanduel.com slash hoops ringer. Age and location restrictions do apply. You must be 21 or older, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, West Virginia, or Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Max bonus is $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700 or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's also talk about Roman. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. And you'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerFantasy for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That is GetRoman.com slash RingerFantasy. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. Let's get into auction right now. So DK, when you're going into an auction draft... And apparently you hate you hate capitalism, but uh, what <laughs> should what we give a brief overview of like draft? everybody in an auction draft standard uh, typically gets 200 fake dollars. Yeah. And you have to spend all your money. I again, I cannot recommend auction enough. It's really fun. Everyone has a pick just like snake and you can nominate a guy when it's your turn to make a pick and you can nominate anybody you want bid however much you want and then you can bid for any player. Yeah, so there's essentially two schools of thought in terms of how to approach an auction draft. And, and the first school of thought is the balanced approach where you try and find value. You try and get guys for, you know, under what you think they're worth and build a team that way. Or you can go the start, what's called the stars and scrubs route, where you basically go in and you get, you know, Christian McCaffrey for 65, 70 bucks and two or three guys, really high priced guys. You spend most of your your budget on, I guess, like your studs, obviously, and then you you basically end up with a bunch of one and two dollar players with the rest of your roster. And in my experience, honestly, I don't I don't know if there's necessarily a right way to do it. It kind of depends on who you pick, clearly. But 
in my experience, the balance method does not fucking work. <laughs> it's just like way harder. <laughs> in my in my personal experience, every time I try to go balance, like fucking my team sucks. So, I have a counter yeah. to that, DK. The one time I won my big league, I went really balanced auction draft. I spent like twenty-five to thirty-five dollars on every player. Yeah. And they all hit. I don't know if that was just means they're less well, likely, but no, when, it's just it, you hit on the right players and that will work. It could work. I just feel so, like the odds of it working are lower. Here's the thing about a balanced strategy. Everyone has the same budget, right? You know what a budget's called? A balance. Everyone's spending the same amount of money. Stars and Scrubs is also balanced. So like balance, it's not even like a balance strategy. It's just kind of like letting the chips fall. Like I'm just going to take, I'm going to stack up on a lot of like good players. But in reality, it often seems like the better thing is, no, you want a few great freaking players. And then yeah, the guys that will carry getting, you week in and week out. And then the scrubs are like, these guys could also be great. And so th- like like with running back, a lot of times what I've done in the past is, we call it zero running back. We need a new running name. What we're, we're talking about here is like savings bonds and scratch offs. You get one running back who's like a savings bond, like the McCaffrey and the Saquon. And then you get bet against a, a bunch of scratch off guys who's like, you know, Tony Pollard on Dallas or someone. And then you want to try to hit that. This yeah. year, I I actually think it's with running like with well, let's not get into this year for right now. Let's stick with like general stuff. We'll get into 2020 for a second. A couple other just general strategy things for auction. This isn't rocket science. Get money off of the board. Like it sounds so simple. The players you don't want, get them off first. Yeah, because nominate guys you don't like. Money, I'm a big fan of that. When everyone has a lot of money, they spend money. That's something we see in real life all the time. And <laughs> then like you don't have money and you're cheap. Thing, yeah. It's like when you have a lot. Of, so if you are not going to draft Lamar Jackson, if you're going to draft, you're like, you know what? I'm going to spend a dollar on Matt Ryan. That's all I want. Nominate Lamar first. Let people fight over him. Like, what's that Godzilla meme? It's like, let them fight. Do that. Do that with everyone. All the players you're not going to draft that like, get as much money off the board first, That which seems super obvious. And also, as a general rule, Go get the guys you want. That's the whole point of the format. But let them get come the players to you. you want. Well, no, yeah. It's, so it, it's a, a, a it's a dance <laughs> of like you don't want to overspend for your guys, and you're not trying to like overpay just because you like them and to the point where they're overvalued. But as a rule, you'd rather spend five dollars too much on Saquon Barkley than have to spend five dollars too much to go get Jordan Howard. That's, that's a great always, point. That's a life lesson. Spend the little extra money. Don't ticky tack the dollar or two extra for like the premium bona fide. Like this is a great prop. Like this is a great person to have on my team. And then if you don't do that two hours later, you're like, oh my God, I have to overpay to make sure that I get like Sammy Watkins. When I think about auction, but uh, auction drafts, you have to in the difference between auction drafts and snake drafts for me is you have to go in with conviction of guys that you're going to come out of there with. Because if you just, when Craig said, like, let them come to you, like when I've gone into an auction and someone's, some player is, you know, not getting bid up as much as I thought, sometimes I'll jump in and grab them. But in the end, like, I feel like you need to go in with a plan of like, I want to get these three guys or I want to get these two guys and then three of these six guys. Well, I don't think it's two. I think you have to have more than the list because if it's only two people, then you can get stuck into, oh, I have to overpay for them. You right. want more okay, guys so in the two list. Two out of these four guys or whatever. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Two of the four. That's very important. Have to have conviction, in my opinion. I think you have to be just a good improviser. And I, I think the three rules of auction drafting are pay the hell attention because it's a three plus hour draft. And every, unlike Snake, every round, sorry, every pick matters because you can 
bid right. on every single pick. So like you can't go to the bathroom. So pee before. <laughs> pay attention this every is why single you're time. Listening to this pod. It's all about balance. Don't drink Have no water because then you will your eyes will glaze over, but you can't drink too much water. Yes. And if you're with a bunch of guys who are in their 20s, odds are they're gonna be on their phones or or, or, or get distracted. Like or literally drunk. just pay attention yeah. and I guarantee you you will get I mean, sometimes you go back and look through a draft and everyone's going to get pizza and you're like, whoa, 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 Jackson's going to get Darren Waller for eight bucks. No one's going to do anything about this. And then it just happens. Yeah. Here's the, here's the, this is actually the best piece of advice of all. Cause you know what? We can talk about strategy and stuff for, it's not rocket science. They have a suggested price for every freaking player. That's really close to what the value is. And we're ultimately talking about small discrepancies from that number. But as a general rule, if the player goes for less than that number, it's a good pick. And so really it comes down to a war of attrition of who can take their mangled, warped attention span and actually focus for four hours. Yeah. That person will probably have the best team. Because, see, the thing is, is when DK was like, there's kind of two strategies. There's the balanced team or like the balanced roster where everyone's like a B minus or stars and scrubs where you get A pluses and D pluses. I think you can't go in deciding you're going to do either one. I think it's important to know who you're drafting. And I actually think that's like one of the most important things is Maybe look at last year's draft that you did with the same group if you oh, are yeah. in a league like that. Because yeah. if everyone does stars and scrubs, it's obviously less valuable for you to do it. I really think you just have to mm -hmm. know that's interesting when somebody is is not paying correctly for some for a player. Like you just yep. have to be able to see. Oh, for some reason, no one likes. Maybe it's just because six running backs just went in a row, and then Joe Mixon's up, and he's going for thirty-two dollars, and you're like, "This is wrong. I'm going to get it." Or like, there's always need, a few of those. Yeah. You need soft. Although, well, yeah, you need a plan going in, and then it's Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. You need to be able to adapt. But can I give you my actual best piece of advice for an auction? Hmm. You can't drink. <laughs> and that's good. That sounds like a, you a I'm couple, dead couple. ass. Couple. Like, you have a couple it's, beers. You, you, uh, yeah, but that it's, plays it's a into slippery peeing. slope. Then you got to pee. You got to be honest with yourself because here's the thing. It is very easy to get away with being a little drunk during a snake draft. For sure. It's very hard to kind of do an auction good because like really what you're doing is you're spending money. I don't know about you guys. It's not, I'm not the best person at managing my finances when I'm hammered. And the best advantage you can have in an auction draft is, you know what? Prep goes so far. If you're sober and other people are like slowly like hammered, that's at the end of the auction is when you can clean up. I'm telling you. Yeah, like, no, that's I, I, true. Not to be a buzzkill. No, you're so right. Champagne tastes better than beer. No, you're so right. This <laughs> champagne is better than beer. Or you can do the champagne of beer. Shouts like out Miller Winning is better than like being drunk on draft day. That's what I'm saying. It's like a spy movie. It's like they pretend is to it? drink. They fake the shots. That's what you got to do. <laughs> it's like you, you go to shotgun, you spill half your beer. If you think you're the smartest person in your draft, which the three of us obviously are in ours, um, I think it's good to save a little bit of money for the end because people usually blow their load in the top. And by the end, there's like <laughs> all of these guys who are going for two, three, four dollars, like Tariq Cohen. And you're like, this is yes, an absolute. Exactly. It's, you, you can get an $8 player for two in the last thing. That's what's where auctions are crazy. And again, this is war. This is psychological warfare. Bring two 30 racks and then don't drink a beer. Do whatever it takes. Love that move. There's there's an element of when you guys are just talking about this, and I, I I don't have a specific like strategy that I take, but I know some people do, where you time, you time it where you want to like make your most bidding in like some people will be like I want to just bid a lot on like early on and kind of just go for it, or some guys are like I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna let people bid early where they're gonna be more aggressive, throw money around, and then I'm gonna be like the guy in the middle. 
who like when people are starting to lose their, you know, lose their attention span and all that, that's when I'm going to be most aggressive. And then, you know, obviously I, I totally agree with the thing where you always want to have like, say 20 bucks or something like that when most people are down to like two and three bucks because then you can have whoever the fuck you want at the end. Um, so I just think it, timing timing your bid, like your bid strategy is kind of important also, too, but I don't have like a specific one. I the hardest just, part is that eventually you have to spend a lot of money and you either do that early. It's it, I wouldn't necessarily be afraid to do it, but at some point you spend a lot of money and you're like, wow, I won't be able to, to bid on a player for like, it might be an hour. That hour is the hardest part because that's where you have to like stay sober and like still pay attention. That's well, the just because you're not picking people, you're still bidding people up. That's so the it's like, thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, so that's the hardest part and the part that if you can pay attention for that space and get to the point where you still have the money to spend money on players, it's joyous. But uh, let's get to specifically for this year. Now that we've talked about psychological warfare and pretending to drink with your friends. One more um, thing for the psychological no. warfare, the <laughs> thing to add. Beware in your league of fan tax. Like if you got a if you have a mm. friend who's a, a fan of the Broncos, for instance, oh yeah, you know they're going to overpay for Jerry Judy or whoever. You know exactly. So like be yeah, you shameless. know be aware of that and don't pay the fan tax. In other words, nominate. I was saying before, get money off the board. Do that first. If you're in a group of fans who are Patriots fans, get Gronk and Brady up first. Get the get Cam Newton. Do those get those immediately. <laughs> yeah. Let them blow their dumb money, especially yeah. if they're hammered. Uh, so applying this specifically to the, this year, I think this year in auctions, a thing I've become fascinated with is just, I just want two of the top four or five running backs. I, I'm just, if you don't have to pay through the nose, but willing to overpay a little bit, just, can you actually get McCaffrey and Saquon or just McCaffrey and Kamara, whatever on the same team, get spend can three or $4 for a couple quarterbacks or just yeah. one two or th- like three or four bucks on a couple tight ends, not spend any money at defense and kicker. And just, can you budget out your receiver bill to go all high upside guys? Because the thing I'm fascinated with is like Michael Thomas is 55, but you got guys like Marquise Brown is six bucks and ESPN. Uh, Will Fuller's like seven bucks. Deontay Johnson's like two or $3. Yeah, but are those guys me- really going for that little? No, but even if you have to pay up a little bit, you don't need all five of those like high upside receivers. Well, but. let's do it right now. Let's say Christian McCaffrey's 70 bucks and Alvin Kamara is 65. That puts you at 135. You want to spend $10 total on your tight ends and your quarterbacks. Now you're at one now you're at 145. You got 55 bucks left to build out the rest of your team. Exactly. And, and what's interesting about that is that's low. It's well, it's low, but I'm saying it's I'm intrigued by it. It's doable. I, I'm intrigued by if you I mean, just threw a bunch doable, of darts yeah. by at the receiver position because Miko Hardman, if you just get like guys who are theoretically cheap, now this depends on people actually. It depends on you being able to get some of the receivers you want. Obviously, it's difficult and you're not trying to pay too much, but on ESPN, like McCaffrey's listed at $59 and Kamara's listed at 54. No, that's a bar. If you can, I know you're not going to actually pay for them in draft, but if you could actually get the two of them for $113 to me, that's a no brainer. Yeah, but like that's not even five. I might not. I know it's not necessarily, but I'm saying that I don't think I would do it if you had to pay 140 for them, 130. But there's some a number between 130 and 110 that I would do it, and it's just something to. The point I'm trying to say is you need imagination. Like there, there is combos of like there's it's part of Inception where he hands him the bigger gun. It's like you need to think with a little more. You can do whatever you want. So like, don't just think your team has to follow this thing of like, oh, all these players will be in a descending order of talent. If you want Michael Thomas and Kamara, you can do that. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's so much better, DK. You're nuts. I mean, I'm not saying it. Don't be afraid to dream. That's my freaking (laughs) point here. Like, if you want CMC and Saquon and they're not, like, bidding you up like crazy, just do it. 
Don't be afraid to dream, DK. Do you wake up every morning and you're like, I didn't dream of anything last night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down my dream diary. I, one of the things I'm trying to do uh, during this Rona time, I'm trying to figure out if I can lucid dream. And I found that <laughs> you're supposed to write down your dreams. That, that helps a lot. You know what's funny? I know this is nuts. My mom said she can do it when she was a kid. Dude, that's like but the craziest she forgot thing. How? The fact that there are, of all the things of like, oh, you can just do this. The fact that, oh yeah, every day I could just be in my own head and dreaming for like a couple hours. That's the craziest thing. She lost it as she got older, she said. And I looked it up and apparently that's a thing is you lose it as you age. The world just makes you jaded and you can't- you Your can't childhood wonder slips away. You have to protect Weird. the wonder. That's how it works. Got to protect the wonder. Okay. Well, Danny, keep us, up, keep us updated on your lucid dreaming uh, goal here. Because <laughs> that sounds cool. That sounds perfect in a time like right now. <laughs> It's mostly just it's mostly just about Sean McVay's house. That's like most of the guys. Like there's a dog and I'm teaching it with its snout as a really weird dream. Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly. After the show, be sure to check out another sports podcast on Spotify. Here's a quick trailer. In Formula One, the race is on. Late breaking, this wheel to wheel. That's what I live for, dude. Get to the heart of the action with F1 Paddock Pass on Spotify. I'm Will Buxton. Join me and the fastest drivers in the world at every Grand Prix. You dream about being in F1 and it's unbelievable. Floor the pedal and it's a great feeling. From previews on Thursdays to qualifying on Saturdays and a race recap on Sundays, we've got F1 weekends covered. Listen to F1 Paddock Pass for free exclusively on Spotify. DK, we're now under your jurisdiction for Dynasty Drafts. Yes. Love Dynasty. Love Let's, Dynasty wait, wait, Drafts. Wait, wait. Let's explain Dynasty for a second. It's like you do one draft, and then you keep all of those players forever. It's like yeah. real football. And then for the only draft you do in the future are you draft the rookies after they get drafted in the real NFL draft. But you keep your team. If you're not doing Dynasty football, Dynasty fantasy football, I highly recommend it. It is really, really fun. It's a totally sort of different take on how to build teams and how to kind of go about drafting and, and rostering all these players. You have a startup draft, which means, you know, depending on how many roster spots you have, let's say you have 30 roster spots on your dynasty team, you go through and play and, and do all 30 rounds. You get, you can trade future rookie draft picks. So you get like a first round, second round, third round, fourth round pick in the next two seasons. You can use those as trade bait or as trade chips to move up and down in your dynasty draft in your, in your startup draft. So it's just really, really fun. And the format that I've been playing is super flex. So um, quarterbacks become extremely, extremely important, you know, over the long term. And, and super flex means that a flex spot, which is typically a running back, tight end, or, or receiver, you can have one of them start there. Now you could start a quarterback if you want. Yeah. So everybody starts two quarterbacks. It's, it's, it's optimal to start two quarterbacks because they score, you know, more points than typically than other positions. So with Dynasty, I think it's very important, especially if you're new to Dynasty and you don't have a solid grasp of like the value of players to go in and definitely print out and have with you like an ADP, Dynasty draft ADP. Um, Dynasty League Football has, has those updated. They do mock drafts all the time. That's kind of like my go-to. And I think it's just super, super helpful because then it kind of gives you the quote like market value of certain players based on every i guess the the consensus thought of how the how valuable these guys are going to be over the next five years or whatever so it's it's really really fun so let me ask you a question dk because i have never done a dynasty league so the idea would be that younger players are more valuable because they're going to be in the league longer right 
Mm-hmm. So give me right now who like the top five t- picks are in Dynasty. So should I say, should I do Superflex? Because I think Superflex is probably the most popular version sure. of Dynasty. Whatever's the most popular. So that's where you can now start two quarterbacks. So I imagine quarterbacks will go quick. So I'm looking at um, Dynasty League Football. They're Superflex ADP right now. The top five guys, McCaffrey, Mahomes, Barkley, and Lamar Jackson. Okay, so everyone's under 26. Yeah, and to round it out, it's Michael Thomas, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Kyler Murray at number 10. Kyler's been a big, big riser in Dynasty just because people think he's going to be so, so valuable with all that rushing upside. I think my strategy might be, just thinking about it, that people go too hard on the young thing because they want to be good for a long time and no one wants to win now. Does anyone take the strategy of drafting guys who will just be good for the next two or three years and trying to get a couple rings before you get older? Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's 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 absolutely multiple sort of schools of thoughts or strategies that you can take. A lot of people, you know, will trade their next couple years draft picks, their rookie draft picks, to move up in in these uh, startup drafts and get guys. Take the guys that are falling because they're a little bit older. Like, for instance, like Adam Thielen mm-hmm. falls in dynasty drafts because he's like going to turn 30 and he's been injured. And people, it, it's just you can't count on him being around for multiple, multiple years. Julio Jones falls um, in a lot of drafts because he's getting up there, you know. And so you can absolutely take the um, strategy where you want to you win the first couple of seasons and then you can completely rebuild. And that will take you a few years. The, the fun thing about Dynasty is legitimately you can tank for a couple of seasons and be last place. Fun and is then, an interesting word for that. I don't know if I'd want to just suck for three years in fantasy <laughs> football, but yeah. No, it's great because when your team sucks, it's like you pre- you pretend it's on purpose. That's the brilliance of it. If your team sucks in regular like regular fantasy league, you keep, you're like, yeah, my team sucks. But in Dynasty, like, yeah, no, it's, I got a plan. Yeah. Well, it's actually not. I mean, it's definitely not pretending with some team. I took over I took over a orphan team. So in other words, I didn't do the startup draft. This league had been running for like That's what they're called orphan, orphan team? teams. Yeah. That's dark. Jeez. That's, it's <laughs> dark. Shit. Yeah. Um anyhow, and I had looked at this league and the the team that I inherited, we'll say instead of took over or whatever, is <laughs> It was the champion like three or four years before that. There was like mm. Marshawn Lynch, Jordy Nelson, Tom Brady, <laughs> like all these people that were either retiring or basically done. Um, and so I thought it was actually really fun because then you sort of have to figure out how to extract draft picks from these aging You're players. You're Sam you Hinkie. Time it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just another really, really fun way to do it. I absolutely love Dynasty. Dynasty is my favorite format, honestly. Um, it's just so much fun and and being able to like, it, it fits like my personality because I do uh, draft stuff. So I really enjoy mm. loading up on young players who I think are going to be the next Michael Thomas or whatever, you know, and then like investing in those guys and, and it just kind of it's just really fun to like if you have a long-standing of, good fantasy football group like group of people that you're friendly with and like it's a really good group i i highly recommend uh talking about making it a dynasty league because it's it is I, it is yeah. another dimension of fun it's yeah. it's really fun to have like a good league become a dynasty league is is a dynasty draft always snake or is there sometimes auction dynasties um there's no rules generally whatever speaking, you want sometimes it's like survivor Generally speaking, it's a snake draft, but I'm actually about to start and twenty it's an it's a twenty-eight roster spot team and we're gonna do an auction. I don't it's gonna be fucking chaos. I don't know how it's gonna work. I've never heard of people doing auction for a startup during a dynasty league, but I'm sure it happens. But um 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how, I don't think anyone really knows how to value anybody. So that's kind of like, that's the, the it's part of like the wild west because the reality is it's hard enough to project people into one football season. The idea of projecting football players three years out when the average career is under three years is just absolutely like it's wilderness. You can do whatever you yeah. want. It's great. Yeah. So what about this year, DK? What's your strategy? Again, it really depends on the league you're in. If you're in Superflex, one popular thing to do in, in Dynasty is to have tight end premium scoring. So 1.5 PPR for tight ends. It makes tight ends more important. Um, I, I hate that so much. I hate that so much. It is so why? unearned. Well, regardless of Danny Hyvitz's personal feelings towards it. <laughs> who are the rookies you like for this to like perform this year, though? Who do you think the people like immediately can like I'm, will be I'm guessing so, like, do you draft rookie running backs before or rookie wide receivers, or how's that work? Yeah, because there's so few of them. It's it's one of those things. Like in this year's drafts and this year's rookie drafts, guys like Clyde Edwards Lair was probably the top pick in most drafts. Um you in Superflex you get a couple of quarterbacks going really early on, but um like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy were going like in the seven, eight, nine, ten spot. Mm. So it was like very, very interesting. Um, you know, you get like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire going so early. People are definitely loading up on those guys that they think could be like the next, you know, Christian McCaffrey, the next Saquon Barkley. I would be the Bill O'Brien. I would just give away all my picks and get like David Johnson. No, it's it's <laughs> some people do that, you know. <laughs> it the other thing is like from a monetary point of view, if you're if you if you actually care about that, if you win one season, then you pay for your net your buy-in for the next like five or six years or whatever. I would try and like, win year one. <laughs> yeah. Cause then you can just play for free, but then you have to rebuild after like three seasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened to me in my dynasty league. I'm if you're lie. a real dick, you win for a couple of years and then just quit the league and <laughs> get that's the move. Lit. And then <laughs> yeah, and then and then make your team an orphan. Don't do that. Though. Yeah, don't 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 abandon your team. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is just two quarterback leagues because you mentioned Superflex, which is really just dynasty leagues or two quarterback leagues. Uh, two quarterback leagues are better. They, they this is how fantasy football should be now. Uh, two quarterbacks, like there's so many quarterbacks. Yeah. I think every league should be two quarterback league. No, I I, I could. Well, actually, honestly, I don't even care about talking <laughs> about the rank. Let's. Why no? It's so much better because it's my old curmudgeoned antiquated views on the way it was is always the way it should be where okay, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like my fantasy football roster to, to mimic a real team's roster. I don't know why, but I like where one quarterback has three receivers. And two I think and a tight end. that is stupid. Well, and here's why. Here's why. <laughs> First of all, the thought of like, Oh, I'll have a quarterback, but two running backs in the same thing. Doesn't make sense. So, like, cause here's the problem with it. The idea of like, oh, it'll be like a real team mm -hmm. doesn't make nearly as much sense to me as value. If you were starting from scratch, like here's the thing. If we have set up a, a fantasy football world where running backs are obviously 15 of the first 25 picks and you don't even need a quarterback to like the 25th pick. And honestly, you don't really need to pick a quarterback to like the 100th. They I don't get matter. what you're saying. All the same. If quarterbacks are not the most important position, something's wrong. It doesn't make sense. But in the Superflex Dynasty League, where DK just said, he listed, you know the top five guys are in Dynasty? Mahomes, Lamar, Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, and like Michael Thomas. That makes sense. Those are the five best players in well, football. Well, then make quarterbacks worth more. Honestly, you want my radical opinion? Passing touchdowns should be the worst as rushing touchdowns, and passing yards should be 10 points. Just like rushing. Yards are yards. Points are points. Quarterback. And the people be like, oh, no, then quarterbacks will be the most important position. Yeah, they're the most important position. <laughs> if you wipe fantasy football from our collective memory and pitched the concept 
Nobody yeah. would be like, well, the quarterback shouldn't be important. It's just when they came up with the scoring system in like 1976, they were like, well, running obviously should be the most important thing. I think we should change that. That's all I'm saying. Do a two quarterback league for the love of God. The second part that I hate, I'm not just ranting about how I feel about things, but this is important. PPR is ridiculous. It should be point per first down. If you catch a ball and you lose a yard, you did not help and you should not be rewarded. Craig and I are rolling our eyes right now for the the studio or for the audience out there. You know what? I wish there was a studio audience one day. Whatever. You know what? Fine. Everyone, you know what? You guys are wrong. I'm sorry that it will take you time to realize that you shouldn't get participation trophies for catches. Give people points for what actually matters, which is first downs. That's the goal the, of football. You have the seriously the worst takes about you. You want a ten-team league with non-PPR. It's the worst. So it's really simple. I'm if down you, with it, like a first down getting extra value or whatever. But like you're telling me like a catch for nine yards. He's just like, no, it doesn't matter that he caught it. Here's my problem. You get the nine yards. It's here's my pr- problem. It's third and two. You get more points in PPR for catching a screen and losing yes, two I yards than you do for running for five and getting the first down. <laughs> I get it. What on earth is the justification for that? Not, it makes no sense. It. I think a catch for nine yards versus if it's first and 10 and you catch a nine yard pass and you run a nine yard run, I think the catch is harder to do. Why? Because you have to catch the ball. The quarterback hands it to you. You get What's nine easier, yards. taking a handoff or catching a ball? I, look, Catching a ball the, is harder. It, so if, yes. can we at least agree that if you catch the ball and don't gain any yards, you shouldn't get a freaking point? No. You can catch a ball for a screen and lose a yard and you get nine-tenths ca- of a point? What the hell? I just don't care about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> infuriating. It's partic- you know what? You get participation trophy generation millennials. You're whatever. the one who thinks 10-person um, league, 10-team ten, ten league is the standard. Like, it's so dumb. It is me. literally the standard on every no. side. Look, you know what? Let's no, not go no one does We're that. off the rails. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say about draft strategy other than make a two quarterback league? I was going to say, I wanted to add one, you know, we didn't get dive too deep into dynasties, but one thing to keep in mind is early on in your dynasty draft and your startup draft, those first few rounds of a startup dynasty draft are like gold. Um, each of those picks are like gold. So if you want to win now, you either, you know, use those picks or trade up potentially. But if you're, if you're fine, uh, building for the long run, if you want to accumulate a lot of picks, like by far the best way to build a team is to trade back early on in those in those first few rounds because those those picks are like seriously worth a lot. You can get multiple first round future first round rookie picks um, for those, and and so that would be take that thought into your draft. Um, kind of have a vision of how the, how you want to do it. Either you know win now or build for the long term because you can get a ton of rookie draft picks for those early round picks. And you can, I mean, you don't even have to trade them. You just move back. And two really good nuggets for dynasty is just generally when you're making a trade is a, will this player be more or less valuable next year? And B people are more willing to give up draft picks before the season. And they're more willing to give up players before the rookie draft. So trade for picks in the summer and the fall and trade for players in this, the winter and the spring cheat code. Okay. Sean McVay's dog is overrated. <laughs> Dude, the dog is in pain. Like, the dog is in pain. Please stop doing that trick, Sean McVay. It, it, clearly, it's, it's just trying to get your love, but it's, it's, it's not healthy. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to the people from Hard Knocks, and shout out to those porta potty people. My God. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we'll see you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>